Thanks to our friends at Chisholm Clark for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Work with Chisholm Clark in your next career move, New Zealand specialist, legal search firm. Kia ora e te whanau, haere mai, and welcome to this episode of the Water Lawyer podcast. I'm your host, Sam Lindsay from Chisholm Clark, and joining me today is a true specialist and well-respected member of the environmental law community. Coming out of Otago Uni with a fresh law degree, she joined Simpson Grierson as a solicitor in 2007 and has spent the next 17 years working her way into a position of influence and and great responsibility as a partner and equity owner in the high-performing National Planning and Environment Team. She was recognised as Young Private Practice Lawyer of the Year for New Zealand in 2016, a next-generation lawyer in the Asia-Pacific Legal 500 for projects in RMA in 2019, and has been recognised as one of the leading individual lawyers for the same area in consecutive years across 2021, 22 and 23. She's a recent mother of two, finding her feet again in the working world, and when she gets a minute to herself, can be found outdoors skiing or boating with her family. What a lawyer. Please welcome Sarah Scott. Yoda Sam, uh, thanks for that intro. It's great to be here. It's great to have you on the show, Scotty, and thanks for being with us today. So how is adjusting to mum slash lawyer life again? It's a change. Uh, there's no doubting that. Uh, but it's it's really good to be back. Um, it's really good to use the brain again in a different way. Uh, and I'm really enjoying getting out and um, seeing all my awesome colleagues and clients Um Saying that, I miss the two kids. I miss my time with them, but um, we're all getting used to the new norm. Cool. Now, having spent your whole career at one place, it's it's a wee bit different to other lawyers that we have on the show who can take us through their journey at various workplaces and talk about some of the skills and experience that they've picked up along the way. So for you, a, a different question. Um, what has kept you engaged with Simpson Grierson for 17 years? And can you take us through your whole journey there, please? I don't think we've got time for my whole journey, but um, that, that 17 year number alarms me a little bit. But um, it's definitely a um, a different, I guess, career staying at the same place. Um, maybe when I started, that wasn't so different, but it certainly is now. I'm aware that people jump around um, jobs and firms a lot more, but um, in terms of uh, what's kept me um, engaged in um, actually loving my job at, at Simpson Grierson or SG, as I'll, I'll call it, um, I've, I've actually had a bit of variety during that time. I started out in um, Wellington, as you mentioned. Uh, I spent time in our Auckland office and team. I uh, popped overseas for um, about half a year and had a really good time in South and Central America. Uh, before coming back and um, then I got the opportunity to uh, move down to Christchurch so our firm made a strategic decision to um, grow our presence in the South Island Uh, we had a satellite office we had that well before the earthquakes Um, but yeah I got sort of a tap on the shoulder and said you know do you want to be part of this growth for the firm and um, I was a bit of an easy pick I think I'm, I'm from the South Island 
uh, and I didn't have family, which makes it, you know, a bit easy, harder to move. So um, off I went and haven't really, haven't really looked back. Um, I don't think I'll, um, you know, ever regret that decision. Um, I think moving into partnership is, you know, there's a lot of that, um, hard work, but luck and timing also, also is, plays a part as well. Nice one. Thanks, Scotty. Now, our topic today is all about the RMA reform and having someone like you on the show will shed some light on what's actually been going on here. We have three main points to discuss today, being the background on the RMA and why change was necessary, what we have in place now and where next with it. Uh, also bearing in mind, obviously, you know, the new government and their potential amendments to it. Would you like to start by taking us through what we had in place with the Resource Management Act 1991? Yeah, sure. So um, we've had this piece of legislation for 30, 30 plus years now. Um, it, it was a significant change when it came through. It was it was before my um, start of my career. But um, there's been a huge number of amendments to that legislation across the years and they have um, been efforts to try and um, fix um, either real problems with the RMA or perceived problems with the RMA depending um, which government was making those changes. Over the, you know, in more recent years it's become obvious to pretty much everyone, I'd say everyone involved in our industry that there are major problems with the RMA. Um, we are seeing, you know, major problems with the environment. Um, we've got climate change issues. We have huge, um, you know, natural hazard issues. There's, um, you know, recent storm events around New Zealand demonstrate all of that. Um, at the same time, and at the other end of the spectrum, uh, there is a housing problem in New Zealand. And um, whilst there are a number of um, elements that feed into how quickly you can build houses. Um, the RMA tends to sit at the top of the list and often get, get the main blame. Um, so enabling development is also crucial. And as, 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 as we move into future years, enabling infrastructure development and you know projects like renewable uh, generation are going to be absolutely significant. Pretty much everyone involved has said RMA is problematic, we need to fix it. Um, so that's sort of where we ended up four years ago um, and with, with the Labour-led government um, putting a huge amount of work into reviewing the RMA and, um, and looking at the options in terms of what to do. So it sounds like the old RMA legislation needed to change because it's not currently meeting the requirements of today's world. Uh, especially across the areas of population growth and infrastructure development and and obviously the protection of the environment. There's, you mentioned there's been lots of attempts to amend the RMA, but what, is now the time for something new? Yeah, that's right. The, the legislation at the moment is not fit for purpose um, in terms of, you know, allowing just by way of one specific example, managed retreat from the coast. Um, at the moment, there are problems with the RMA um, in terms of, you know, giving councils um, the ability to actually remove communities from problematic areas. Um, it's, 
it's I think tough being a council sometimes they get blamed for um not doing things they get blamed for doing things but um sometimes it's the legislation that um, allows them to do what they can that actually needs to be amended so part of the new legislation which we'll get to um has has provided some solutions around that so how was the reform actually undertaken so the um the government appointed a uh, review panel um, and they um, went away and did a huge amount of work and provided a um, report that outlined a proposed way forward, um, which was to uh, completely get rid of the RMA and replace it with three pieces of legislation. Uh, and that is where we are now. So um, that report, you know, the recommendations in that report, whilst there's been, you know, heaps and heaps of amendments, that was the starting point. Um, so that um, th there was consultation on that report uh, and then there's been, you know, feed in and eventually we got um, the, well, we've only seen two pieces of legislation, but the bills for, um, that, that went through Parliament and they went through the standard um, process for preparing legislation. Uh, but you know during that during the course of this, um, the industry, whether it be developers, whether it be councils, whether it be environmental groups like Forest and Bird, EDS, uh, whether it be the infrastructure um, providers, you know whether it be transfer, huge amounts of input into this legislation. Um, and um, you know from from my perspective as a practitioner, it's been really important to actually talk to those people who are on the ground, um, doing it day in and day out, who actually, you know, see the issues, um, you know, that we're advising our clients on every day. So um, some of it's been listened to, some of it hasn't. Cool. You mentioned there's obviously been a significant amount of input across your industry, end users, lawyers, basically everybody. Are you able to give us a high level detail of what that input actually looked like? Well, um, I mean, there's all sorts of ways you can feed into policy change. Um, some of it will be informal um, and through, you know, existing channels that relationships that people have. But but there um, also was the, the more formal process around making submissions on the legislation or on the draft bills. Uh, and so then there was a select um, committee process, um, there was a hearing and you could talk to your submission and, and, and so on. Um, it, it's really interesting in terms of that feedback and, and this is um, quite unique, I think. The feedback on the draft legislation was that from each end of the spectrum, which I've spoken about, was that there were big problems um, with, with the fix. Um, well intentioned, like all intentions are positive and good, et cetera, but whether it actually solves the problem that was identified at the start, um, I'm not so sure about that. Um, and if it helps, I can sort of explain that now, Sam. So um, there's, and I'm speaking, I guess this is my personal opinion, I, I should say, but um, the, the new legislation that we have got um, is, essentially a different version of the RMA. <laughs> um, so it's, you know, that there's a lot of very similar sections in there that remain, but we have a whole lot of um, 
new parts that have come in and parts that have come out. We have a different purpose section. Um, we have some new new processes, which some are great. We have um, you know requirements to make a consistent national planning framework, which is great, but you probably could have done it under the RMA, um, and and so on. So um, there is you know a real concern from you know someone like me that maybe in fifteen years this piece of legislation might. Um, be making significant changes around protection of the environment, enabling more urban development. But there's just so much work to get there. Um, and that time frame is too big, I think. I, I don't think we can afford to, to you know, take that amount of time. Um, I can explain some of them in more detail if, if you're interested in it. Yeah, for sure. And, and we'll go into that next with our second main point, being the new legislation that's actually in place now. There's three acts you've obviously mentioned that two are in place at the moment and i believe they're going to be phased in i think over the next 10 years um so we have the natural and built environments act and we have the spatial planning act and the climate change adaptions act um you want to talk us through those yeah how long you got <laughs> uh yeah sure so so we've got um two pieces of legislation we've got the NBEA, um, and we've got the Spatial Planning Act. We actually don't have the Climate Change Act yet. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's probably the right time to mention that um, in a couple of months, we mightn't have either any of these, mm, <laughs> um, yeah. because of course that is um, how the national government um, has um, run its um, campaign. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that's that these pieces of legislation will be repealed. But um, the the Spatial Planning Act, if I can start there, it's a um, piece of legislation that essentially requires um, regions across New Zealand to um, do a comprehensive spatial planning exercise, um, which uh, will look at urban growth needs, whether it be residential, commercial, industrial, um, you know, health hospitals, so on, um, infrastructure requirements, um, it re you know, look at um, special resources that require protection, whether it be, you know, significant natural areas or so on. Um, so this is a really awesome concept and a really great idea. Um, that There are concerns around how long it might take creating the committee to do this work and so on, which I don't think we need to get into that detail, but, but the, the concept is great. It's, it's, it's a good one. Um, and then that's that piece of legislation, essentially, that's what it does. In terms of the Natural Built Environment Act, this piece of legislation is essentially what was the RMA. Um, and it has um, a, a slightly amended purpose. I'm not going to get it. Well, it's actually a completely different purpose, but I'm not going to get into that. But um, if we move forward with this piece of legislation, there is going to be so much litigation around what that purpose means. Um, it took close to 30 years for us, for the Supreme Court, to tell us how to apply the RMA purpose. Um, so, you know, that in itself shows, uh, you know, how important it is that that these words, what the, what these words are for us when we're, when we're practising. But um, that act, the MBEA, um, also um, sets out the requirement that each of the regions that I mentioned 
um, have just one planning document. And um, at the moment, every um, regions have regional planning documents and um, councils have their own district plans. So there's a significant reduction in the number of plans. That sounds awesome. That is great. But the process to get there is massive, like really, really big. Um, and the other key thing that, and I probably should have started with this, um, this is my baby brain, <laughs> um, is the NBEA also um, requires um, a, something called a national planning framework. And what that does is it uh, will have in one place all of the national policy direction. Um, so we already have a bunch of this. They're called national um, policy statements, national environmental standards. Um, we need a couple more um, to do with, for example, hazards and infrastructure. Um, but the problem with these, the existing national policy direction that we have is that they conflict at times. So a fair bit of our work has been trying to navigate through that conflict and work out what actually trumps. And that has been one of the problems with the RMA. Um, so the outcome I think we're all hoping for in this national planning framework is some clearer direction on um, what national matter trumps another nationally important matter. Um, it's also, uh, potentially this document will also set environmental limits, although it's not entirely clear in the new legislation whether that will happen in that document or in, in the plans. Um, I guess we'll wait and see on that. But um, national direction in one place that is clear and uh, we understand what's more important, we're all for that. Um, I guess I'd just comment there that you could probably do that under the RMA. Yeah, nice one. And so where are we at with the Climate Change Adaptions Act then? Uh, I, um, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, obviously, we're not getting it um, through under Labor. So um, uh, National haven't really said what they're going to do. I mean, that, that they obviously aren't going to put that piece of legislation through. But um, what their alternative is, we're not entirely sure. Um, the, the three parties... Um, that their election page is sort of a little bit inconsistent in terms of um, climate change. So we're not, you know, it's going to be the next couple of weeks, I guess we'll, we'll find out what they're going to do. But um, yeah, I, I really hope that they don't um, back off dealing with these issues because they're so important for New Zealand. And so we move into the final point here and you, you mentioned a wee bit of uncertainty and obviously needing a wee bit of clarity. We don't really have that at the moment because of the, the change in government. But our final question to you around this RMA reform is where to next? Well, uh, I, I think we'll see the, um, the two new pieces of legislation being repealed. Uh, where to next is, you know, the million dollar question for us. Um, my view on what I expect might happen, and um, it's it's simply my best guess, I, is that uh, rather than um, national creating a whole new piece of legislation to replace the RMA, um, I suspect we will see a more targeted approach where there are amendments made to the RMA um, to 
try and deal with the um, issues that we all acknowledge exists with it. Uh, so, you know, for example, bringing in uh, national guidance around infrastructure and ensuring it's enabled. Um, and we understand how that's to be balanced against, against things like, you know, protecting Indigenous biodiversity and so on. Um, fast track consenting. Um, that's the, that there's been a new process. Um, it first came out during COVID. Um, it's sort of a streamlined approach to get big resource consent developments, et cetera, through. Um, it's great. It's in the new, um, but the current COVID-related provisions um, expire, I think it's in July. So that process is in the new bit of legislation. Um, it's great. It should stay. Um, so the RMA should, you know, get extended. Um, that they're just two obvious examples, but um, that there's a bit of red tape needs to come out. Um, but, you know, those real big wins and the real positive things we have in that new legislation could potentially come into the RMA. Um, so maybe that's what they'll do. Maybe mm. not. It sounds like a sort of watch this space sort of concept. Yeah, we, we certainly are. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you are. Um, cool. We're going to jump into our quick fire segment now. Um, obviously, these are the questions that I haven't, uh, haven't prepared you for. Um, Scotty, first question is, who is someone that you look up to and why? I've been asked this question over my career um, a few times, and I, I don't have one specific person that I point to. Um, there are a couple of people that have been instrumental in my career, and I am incredibly grateful to them for that. Um, they are the um, guys who were partners in my team before me, um, Duncan Land, James Winchester in particular. Um, they they were, um, you know, I've worked from them. James interviewed me as a summer clerk coming out of university. Most hilarious interview ever. Do not know how I got a job. I'm not sure he, he's clear on why he hired me, but anyway, it all worked. Um, and, you know, I ended up being in partnership with them all those years later. So, um, yeah, probably not the answer to the question in terms of who I look up to and admire, but, um, you know, they've been important people in my career. Cool. What is something that you do for you and why? <laughs> not too much at the moment, Sam. <laughs> 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 um look I it, it's so important to you know have time out um I've got you know Polly is eight months Charlie's two and a half so life's pretty hectic at the moment um and we're also building a house uh my partner's a builder so and we're, we're moving in a couple of weeks so so life's hectic but um happy and full I make you know careful effort to spend time with my friends um we um, love getting out on the lake um, and yeah drinks by the lake tends to be a very easy one with young kids oh, how good <laughs> um, why did you choose to be an environmental lawyer uh, I would probably say I fell into it um, when I started at SG um, I had no intention of being a litigator um, I actually am not a big fan of conflict, <laughs> which is interesting. Um, interesting. But yep. yeah, look, I, I rotate. We, we have a really awesome um, summer park and law grad program where we rotate through different teams. 
Um, and, you know, you come out of university, you've got no idea what you want to do, really. You've got no clear understanding of what these different types of law are. So um, I actually ended up in the, um, like, our commercial litigation team first year as a law grad, so my third rotation. I was like, this is awesome. Spoke to HR or PNC, and I was like, oh, I don't need to move. I'm happy. And they're like, no, 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 go go experience the next one. It's actually litigation-based as well. I was like, wow, oh, God, okay. Um, which happened to be the team I am still in now. Mm. Um, so yeah, yeah, no, it's um, it's a really good mix in terms of litigation, but um, not quite as serious as the commercial litigators in terms of the courts that you're appearing in. Although we do appear in the higher courts, um, so yeah, it um, it's a good mix, and we get to spend a lot of time with um our clients uh and getting around New Zealand. So that's a positive. Nice. What is something that you wish? law school had better prepared you for when entering your first role? Uh, many things. <laughs> um, one thing uh, with the benefit of hindsight and I guess experience with the um, with the summer clerks and coming through is um, plain English writing. Mm. Um, so writing in a way that we want um, our team to write and writing in a way that our clients want and the courts want it's just just makes no sense to me um it's jargon <laughs> none of these words that you wouldn't use in a conversation like you know all these like sort of old school words we don't use them so why write them down <laughs> yeah. and final question here is what is a piece of advice that you would give a young Scotty I think to try and not take what seems like a really big deal at the time too seriously um, in terms of your career. Um, and just take opportunities, which I did, but I'm just going to re-emphasize it. Um, don't, don't plan too much <laughs> because if you plan, I mean, plans are very important, of course, but if you plan too much, and opportunities come up that are sort of go in a different direction. You don't take them um, or you really question them. And, you know, I, I am only where I am because I, um, you know, jumped on, well, I didn't jump on a plane, drove down to Christchurch and, you know, my whole life and career changed, you know, from that one decision. Yeah, <laughs> nice one. Good stuff. Well, look, I've certainly taken a huge amount away from this discussion and obviously so of our listeners most likely. But before we say goodbye, quick thank you to everyone um, getting around this podcast you know who you are massive thank yous uh, if you guys have any feedback on this episode please leave us a rating on your podcast app or you can email sam at chismclark.co.nz so that we can continue producing more of these kinds of conversations that you want to hear and lastly a huge thank you to our superstar guest sarah scott for joining us on the show and diving deep into her experience and expertise in the field of environmental law and it's recent legislative changes around the RMA. I feel like New Zealand really needs to watch this space, as I'm sure all property developers and environmental lawyers surely will be as well. Scotty, thanks for being a legend, both at work and at home. And thanks again for so generously giving your time today. What a lawyer, Sarah Scott. Thanks, Sam. It's fun to catch up. <laughs> well, there you have it. Straight from one of the best environmental lawyers in the country everything that's been going on with the RMA and its reform.
Scotty pointed out that across the years, there have been multiple attempts to amend the legislation of the Resource Management Act, and obviously for good reason. She pointed to the old legislation not quite meeting requirements of area growth and population growth, infrastructure development requirements, and uh, the ultimate protection of the environment. A panel was put in place by the government to review the current legislation and the issues with it, and seek advice from all the external providers, lawyers, and end users of this legislation, and ultimately try and propose something new that would be more fit for purpose. We now have two new pieces of legislation, the Natural and Built Environments Act and the Spatial Planning Act. In the Spatial Planning Act, it seems like forward planning is prevalent, and that's great. It also puts more onus on the regions doing their own macro planning exercise, looking at urban growth needs in terms of infrastructure, hospitals, schools, protected areas. The Natural and Built Environments Act, from what it sounds like, is essentially the RMA, just with a slightly new purpose. Scotty also mentioned that this legislation will require the regions to have one planning document, and that could also set limits, um, as well as ultimately fall under a national direction. And where to next with all of this, unfortunately remains uncertain. Our environmental lawyers are expecting a repeal of all of the new proposed legislation, and obviously this 10-year phase-in period uh, across the NBE and the SPA are probably going to mean more disruption to our sector. I wish Scotty and every other environmental RMA and project lawyer out there all the best as they continue to navigate this uncertainty. Well, that's it for this episode, folks. Thanks again for tuning in. And as always, please leave us a rating in your podcast app so that we can continue to make these cool conversations. Thank <laughs> you.